0: Well, with Christmas just a few days ago, many children have their minds focused on what they want for Christmas. And it's not just children who write to Father Christmas. Last year, an excessively overweight man wrote a letter, Dear Father Christmas, this year I want a nice slim body and a big fat bank balance. And then he added, and don't get those two mixed up like you did last year. Well, today, our thoughts are directed to Mary, called to be the mother of our Lord. And her story is about learning to accept what God wanted for her life. And that's a complete contrast to the demanding and the asking for what we want that accompanies so much of the contemporary atmosphere of Christmas. The punchline of that story that uh, Seal has just read to us comes in the final sentence. May it be to me as you have said. Some Protestant Christians think that Roman Catholics make too much of Mary to the point of worshipping her. On the other hand, some Catholic Christians think that Protestants ignore Mary. There is a grain of truth in both those viewpoints. But without any doubt, we need to pay Mary attention because there's a lot said about her in the Gospels. And while she's not the object of our worship, she is most definitely deserving of honour. And we need to learn from her response to God. I wonder how you picture Mary in your mind's eye. Over the centuries, many artists have taken a great interest in Mary. And uh, just share with you now, very briefly, five uh, pictures or paintings. The first is an image of the angel Gabriel and Mary with a halo round her head. They both have Halos around their heads, Gabriel and Mary, and that painting, therefore, suggests an aura of holiness, as do so many of the paintings of the Annunciation. The second painting comes from the 15th century and is by Jean Hay. And Hay's painting shows Mary at home. She has an open book beside her, perhaps the scriptures. There's a dove in the painting representing the Holy Spirit. I wonder what you make of Mary's open hands. The third puts Mary in a more contemporary setting. This is a painting by John Collier, teenage girl with white ankle socks and trainers with a book, not necessarily a Bible. She's a young girl, could be any sixth former or college student. I like this because it helps me to understand the youthfulness of Mary. The fourth painting is also a 20th century painting. It's by John Waterhouse. And it shows the angel Gabriel holding a lily, a white spring flower associated with innocence. And this painting clearly shows the element of surprise on Mary's face. Final picture again is based in the home. And again, uh, the angel holds a lily. The painter was Dante Gabriel Rossetti. It comes from the mid-19th century, but just look at Mary's face and body posture. This time she isn't standing or sitting or kneeling demurely. She's on her bed looking as if she's been cornered and can't get away. Her shoulders are hunched up and she has a look of disbelief on her face. Now each of those paintings uh, gives some valid and helpful message, but for me this final picture has a special authenticity about it, because it shows an apprehensive Mary. You see, up to this point, Mary had probably seen some plans developing for her life. She'd been engaged to Joseph, an arrangement made by her parents. Uh, and They would have been anticipating being married when the period of betrothal was over, somewhere down the line, no doubt, starting a family. And suddenly all this was changed. The angel Gabriel appeared to her and said that she was highly favoured, hence the look of surprise on her face. Then he announces that she's going to have a child. In this passage, Mary speaks twice. First time, she asks the question, how can this be? The second time she speaks, she says, let it be as you say. And between that initial question and the words of acceptance, there are only four verses in the biblical narrative. But I suspect that in reality, there could well have been lots of questioning, disbelief, fears, tears, and even panic. The word that Luke uses to tell us that Mary was perplexed or troubled actually means deeply agitated. And it's given in a tense that implies that her agitation was ongoing not just something of a brief moment. Now we know that her acceptance of what God wanted for her life played an integral part in God's plan for the salvation of the world, giving birth to our Saviour and providing a home for him as he grew. And because we've read the Gospel stories, we know how the mother of Jesus shaped, uh, being the mother of Jesus, shaped the rest of her life and not always as she would have chosen, sometimes with great pain. Mary showed her acceptance of God's plan, both in word and in action. The words were simple. We heard them at the end of that story, let it be as you have said. But then her first action was to go and spend time with Elizabeth, the wife of Zechariah, who was expecting the birth of her baby, John the Baptist. These two women were relatives, they were both pregnant. Very natural they might spend some time together talking about their common situations. But the commonality went deeper than two relatives who happened to be pregnant at the same time. Both had been chosen to be part of God's plan. If only we'd been a fly on the wall and had been able to listen to their conversations. This was part of Mary's obedient answering of God's call. And the rest of her life was spent in prayerful obedience that sometimes involve very painful periods. She lived out those words of acceptance of God's call. So today is a time to honour Mary, who carried the saviour of the world and played such a vital part in God's plan. Perhaps we should see it as a moment when we can pause and ask whether we are part of God's plan in the way that he intends. There is a saying, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. Most of us have desires and ambitions, and many of them go a lot deeper than wanting Father Christmas to organise a slim body and a fat bank balance for us, or even wanting the end of this coronavirus period to be over, which I'm sure we all do. We all have our plans if we're young, we have plans for our career. We're middle-aged, we have plans for our families. We're older, we have plans for our retirement years. And in many ways, we set an agenda for our lives. So what do we say and what do we do when our plans are upset and we need to replace them with God's plans? Our plans may have been good, but if they weren't God's plans, we're not giving Him the best. And our agenda may have been a sensible one, but if it wasn't God's agenda for our lives, then we're not giving him the best. Now, I know none of us are going to have the centre stage part in God's drama that Mary had, so central to the world's salvation. However, if we become disciples of Jesus, then each of us has a part to play in God's plan. We need to be in a position where we can make a willing response to God what God wants of us. Let it be as you have said. Two writers of Christian songs, 250 years apart, express beautifully this idea of accepting God's plan for our lives. Charles Wesley, in one of his best-known hymns, writes, Behold, the servant of the Lord, I wait thy guiding eye to feel, to hear and keep thy every word, to prove and do thy perfect will, joyful from my own works to cease, glad to fulfill all righteousness. And then he continues, by every good though weak design, or rule, overrule, or change, as seems thee meet. We may well have well thought out, good intention plans, but if they're not God's, then we need to be prepared to jettison them. And the same thought in different words is expressed by Robin Mark, Irish songwriter, still alive and in his 60s. All for Jesus, all for Jesus, all I am and have and ever hope to be. All of my ambitions, hopes and plans, I surrender these into your hands. The hundreds of years of biblical history are full of stories about people who have been willing to change their plans and agendas when confronted by God's call. Today, as we reflect on that part that Mary played in bringing Jesus into the world and nurturing him, it seems an appropriate moment to leave our Christmas wish list on one side and be prepared to ask ourselves the question whether we're prepared to lay aside our plans and ambitions and be open to the things that God God wants of us so what might it mean for us to say let it be so to God and the one sure thing is that God is able to bless us and to make us a blessing to others when we put ourselves inside his will. Amen.